0: Podcast, Jim Stern talks about big data in digital and marketing. So stay tuned. So welcome everyone to Future of Data podcast. Today we have with us Jim Stern and he is a founder of Digital Analytics Association and a producer for Marketing Evolution Experience, and we'll talk about that in a minute. A brief bio, so Jim Stern focuses his 35 years in sales and marketing on creating and strengthening customer relationship through digital communications. He sold business computers to companies that had never heard, never owned one in 1980s, consulted and keynoted about online marketing in 1990s, and founded a conference and a professional associations around digital analytics in 2000s. Following his humorous devil's data dictionary, Stern has just published his 12th book, uh, Artificial Intelligence for Marketing, Practical Applications. Stern produces the E-Matrix Summit from 2002 to 2017 and now produces the Marketing Evolution Experience. He was co-founder and served for 17 years as the board chair of Digital Analytics Association. Jim was named one of the 50 most influential people in digital marketing by top marketing magazine in the UK. And identified as one of the top twenty-five hot speakers by National Speaker Association. With that, Jim, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be included.
0: Beautiful. So, why don't you walk us through your journey? It's, it's I think what I was blown away when I was picking up uh, your pro, uh, looking at a profile was how much depth of depth of experience you had throughout this marketing evolution. And marketing has been in the forefront of using using data and and analytics and sort of predicting the behavior and sort of adjusting to it. And you have been there. So yeah, why don't you walk us through your journey?
1: Well, it it started coming out of school when my first job was customer service. And my job was using a basic four computer command line interface to find out why the company had shipped to the customer the wrong thing. Hmm. So um, my very first step into business was from the customer's perspective. And that's just stayed with me the whole time. And it was also using computers to help the customer. Um, That was a customer service job, wasn't very interesting, wasn't a lot of fun. And then I answered an ad in the newspaper for selling Apple IIe's out of a retail store, Hmm. Um, that was in the early 1980s, and it said, no experience necessary. And I said, I qualify. I've never sold anything and I don't know computers, but I'll give it a try. And since then, my job has been to explain how this equipment can help people think. How can you help me remember things? How can you remember? How can you help me process things? And that's pretty much been the theme of my career ever since.
0: Interesting. And what do you do nowadays? Like, what's what's your day to day? Nowadays looks like
1: um, it's still writing and consulting, and then producing the Marketing Evolution Experience, which is. Uh, bringing the idea of digital analytics online marketing analysis to the marketing department um that's that's been my role for the last <laughs> 17 years um and it's you know on the one hand the people who are in the lead uh, there's a whole lot of new stuff to learn and the people who are behind there's an enormous amount of things to learn so the audience for my conference is um anybody in marketing who wants to improve their knowledge of using data to inform marketing
0: interesting and what is digital analytics association if you can just give a quick uh, plug on that what's that
1: the digital analytics association is a professional organization um i started the e summit in 2002 and in 2004, the audience said, hey, this is great, but we want something more than just a conference once a year. Mm-hmm. We want to start an association because then web analytics now, digital analytics was brand new. And we didn't know what our job title should be. We didn't know what our uh, responsibilities, what our job descriptions were. So we formed the, the Digital Analytics Association to create uh, a competency framework. What are the skills and knowledge you need to do each of the tasks that we do in this job? Mm. Uh, what are our job descriptions? Uh, what's What are people being paid? Let's do a salary survey. Let's create some education. And around all of that, let's create community of mm. people to help each other figure out how to do this job. So it is a full-on um, professional development association and community organization uh, to help people who are responsible for... Getting their marketing department up to speed on digital analytics on on you know, measuring the success of your website.
0: Interesting. Uh, thank you for walking us through that. So now let, let's talk about your journey. So um, over over years, how have you seen um, marketing evolved? Like what what what's your takeaway on what you have seen and and marketing's adoption of technology? And what are some of the um opportunities that exist that that you have seen that um, whatever you can share.
1: well, but it's but it's changed over time and it continues to change. So, um in the beginning, it was all transactional. Can I record a sale? And then, oh, can I back up that further into Salesforce automation? Can I keep track of the people I'm trying to sell to? And then customer relationship management. If I have a database of customers, can i use that somehow to tell me how to interact with them Mm. and what should be the next offer what should be the next product what should be the next outreach whether it's phone or email or direct mail Um, database marketing came along and and tried to switch that up a little bit where i was really using analysis on the data to say well the, these kinds of people responded best to this kind of interaction. Therefore, those people might be able to, to be, you know, I might be able to get lift if I present them this message in this way. Well, then came the internet, and that mm-hmm. blew apart everything. Um, suddenly, the amount of data I had exploded. It wasn't just we ran this ad, we sent them this email they responded at this time they bought this product they came back and bought again like that's not a lot of information to have although it's very valuable and and hugely reliable but suddenly online i had behavior i had mouse movements i had page views hmm. did they receive the email did they open the email did they click on the link did they go to the website how many pages did they drill down suddenly this huge amount of information was thrown at us and at first we were just trying to decide well what what if this is important uh number of pages time on site bounce rate and of course you know we we know all of this is interesting but not horribly useful until you bring all of it together and now with machine learning ah we can make it useful again so it's a it's a step-by-step arc of we have a machine that can remember things Mm. then we have enough data that we can do some analysis on it then we can carry that far forward and every step that we take because we have more data and because we have more compute power and Mm. because we have more technology we can do more and more impressive things so my personal journey is is just being enthused about all of that and wanting to share that with everybody and say gee you know did you know that mm-hmm. you can use these tools and this data to discover these things about customer in order to improve the customer experience which goes way back to my beginning in the customer service department
0: interesting and 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 we hear the word word digital a lot so what what yeah. what is that and and what if you can walk us through what's going on there as well we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website, firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast.
1: Um, so it started out as the internet. Um, um, instead of my relationship being a, a loyalty card, you know, I walk into the store and I use my loyalty card. Uh, or I buy airline tickets and they keep track of my miles. This is digital information. It is that that behavioral information online. Hmm. So it was web analytics. Come to my website. I record when you show up and what pages you look at and what you click on and when you leave. And did you buy anything? Did you put anything in your shopping cart? And as web analysts, we were then made responsible for measuring email marketing and search marketing and social media and, 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 and it wasn't just web analytics, it was digital Mm -hmm. analytics, all of that stuff that happens online. Well, oh wait, now it's also mobile. So that, okay, that's digital as well. So what is not digital? Um, well, direct mail.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yes, we have a database. So there's digital information, but direct mail, outdoor advertising, um well now we've got kiosks outside we have billboards that are electronic so pretty much the digital analyst has become the uh, keeper of the response data. if we throw an ad on television we're going to see a change in behavior on the website. We're going to see a change in behavior in mobile app downloads and app use so digital analytics is, pretty much marketing analytics um bottom up
2: mm. it is
1: all of that little granular detail put together bottom up now top down is marketing analytics that we've been doing for decades which is um uh mixed modeling i spend this much on this channel, this channel, this channel, this channel, here are the results. If I move some of those numbers around, how do the results change? That mixed modeling, very sophisticated statistics, hmm. but it is top-down. It's looking at big numbers, and what does that mean I should do, as opposed to looking at all this granular stuff to see, well, what was the result?
0: Interesting. And, and what's your take on the use of analytics in the marketing industry? Like, what's, what's your take on that?
1: Uh, um, Yes, (laughs) inevitable, Um, I based my career on it. (laughs) Um, We've always tried to measure marketing and advertising, um, and we've done a pretty good job. And then again, when digital came along, suddenly we were faced with all this new data. So the possibilities for using data for marketing Mm. are tremendous. And where are we now, um, is, is not really a valid question because some people are way out ahead of everybody else and some people are still way behind. So where is any company at any one point? Um, the, the, the question of, um, who is doing it really well. Okay. Well, there's the usual suspects Mm. of course, Google, of course, Amazon, of course, Apple, sure. But what about just regular companies? Is is Campbell's Soup doing a good job? Well, there are some people at Campbell's working on some campaigns uh, that are doing some measurement that's really leading, that's really thought leadership. It is the latest and greatest, the highest technology, the most advanced thinking, but it's not the whole company. <laughs> it's a group of people who are doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. and And I would love to have them get in touch with me and tell me the whole story, but of course it's company confidential. So we'll never know, hmm. but we'll buy more soup.
0: Yes, yeah, we certainly do. So uh, I think another interesting area that, that that I see whenever we talk about marketing is, so many times they they don't know what is selling and they don't know what's going on. And and they're always in, 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 in the world of analytics as you rightly pointed out. What are some of the things that you see where you see misuse of analytics in marketing? Like what are some of the opportunities that you see that where people get it wrong or or they are overdoing it? And what's, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah. So there's, there's, there's three ways that it goes wrong. Um, The first is not understanding the data. So if I am a marketing person and I care about conversion rate and I want I dedicate myself to improving the conversion rate. It's pretty clear that I'm not really understanding the ecosystem of data because conversion rate doesn't live alone. If I am compensated, if I'm paid a bonus for doubling conversion rate, I can do that in a week by stopping all advertising, Hmm. just stop advertising. Hmm. Then the only people who come to my website, are the people who already know about me and already want to buy. And my conversion rate goes sky high and I Mm. collect my bonus Mm. and the company goes out of business. Mm. So looking at data the wrong way, not understanding how all the data fit together, making assumptions about how data is collected, which is complicated and messy and it's a struggle. And just assuming that I look at a dashboard and I understand what's going on because I'm looking at a dashboard is mistake number one. Um, it's why I have a little problem with data democratization. Oh, just give everybody Mm -hmm. access to Google analytics. They can figure it out themselves. No, they can't. Anybody who looks at Google analytics for the first time, looks at that homepage and goes, well, this is what must be important because Google says, this is what's important. Mm. What do I do with it? Well, it's not what's important to your company in your industry at this moment. It's just the generic homepage for Google analytics. So that's a really tough one. The second problem is, um, I have something to prove. I want to prove that my spend on search is more valuable than my spend, than your spend on television. Hmm. And I want to get the data that shows that we should spend more on search. I should be able to hire five more people. We should cut down the television spend or we should cut down the catalog spend or whatever it is. That's using data actively to make a point that's not listening to the data, it's just using it. It's, you know, that there are lies, damn lies and statistics mm. and you can torture data to tell you anything you want. Right. Um, so number one, I don't understand what I'm looking at. Number two, I'm using it for my own personal agenda. Yeah. Then the third one is when people are too dependent on the data. Mm. So I ask my people in marketing a question and they say, we don't know. We we can't answer that question. We don't have enough data. We Our data isn't clean enough. It's going to take us another six months to retag everything and and clean the data. And then we can give you an answer. And then that's too late. I need an answer now. And Mm -hmm. I need that combination of gut feel informed by data rather than depending only on data. That's a, that's a horrible mistake. Now imagine these three, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm using it to put forward my own agenda and I'm overconfident with the data as as venn diagram, three circles overlap, and when you get all of those together, it's a horrible mess
0: wow wow I think that's uh, that's interesting because if 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 I look at marketing and if if I talk to um, uh, my marketing fellow friends they're always on a on 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 a sort of struggle to find the next hack in this social construct. That can get them inside, sort of their product into cultural norms. They they they're they're trying to figure out all those small signals that they can exploit and amplify uh, to their advantage. And when when you hear about those, the first thing that comes to your mind is, hey, um, I should be spending a lot more time understanding what's going on. And then you you're spot on. The bias is one of the problem. That hey, I what if I if I have a personal bias, then probably the data will tell tell me the same thing. Uh, how do you, what? How do you fix that? What are what is the the, the resolution? Because bad data, I I may not know bad data on the hindsight. I think one of the thing that I I, I always uh, uh, pitch about someone is I met one of the product manager of BlackBerry and he said that hey we were killing our numbers, right? So I was just hitting like we were doing we were what we were told to do. Then why the hell? What what happened? What happened? Right? So now. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting sort of uh, dichotomy there that, hey, I don't know bad data unless, unless I, after the fact, all right, whatever, that the data was really bad. And then bias is definitely one of the thing that I'm terrified about. And most of, I think that's you right, rightly picking that. Um, so yeah, what, what do you, what, what's the resolve?
1: It all goes back to listening to the customer. Um, if you listen to the numbers, If you, if you execute to the plan and that's all you do, then that's all you will ever accomplish. But if you continually listen to the customer and that means, um, you know, and, and what we have tried to do with data is use it as a proxy for customer opinion, for customer intent,
2: Hmm.
1: because they clicked here because they opened that email because they bought two, because they were here last week, therefore, and then I make an assumption. Hmm. And from that assumption, I can make a hypothesis and I can run a test to see if I'm right. And then I have actual data. But I can also just reach out and do a survey. I can ask my customers. Now, everybody loves to to quote the um, Henry Ford and Steve Jobs, Hmm. take your pick. Uh, if you talk, if you, all you do is talk to your customers,
2: mm.
1: Henry Ford says, you ask your customers mm. what they want. They'll say faster horses.
2: Mm.
1: Steve jobs says, you ask your course, your, your customers, what they want. They will never invent mm. an iPod.
2: Mm.
1: Okay. So yes, there is a need for innovation. Once you have innovated something, then you go to your customers mm. and you say, what do you think? And some of them will say, oh, that's too new. That scares me. I don't like it. And some will go, wow, this is the best thing since sliced bread. I love it. And so you listen to those people. You don't exclude one from the other. You don't do only data. You don't do only custom voice of customer. You've got to bring them both together. And then the third part is gut feel. That mm. is what is your industry knowledge? What is your experience? Um, this is This is why... The idea of two guys in a garage or in a dorm room inventing something amazing is this iconic story because it doesn't happen all the time. You know, yes, there's Facebook. Yes, there's two guys in a garage creating Hewlett Packard. And there's two guys in a garage creating Apple. And these are iconic stories because that's rare. Mostly it's people just doing hard work, listening to customers, watching the numbers, and responding with their experience and their gut feel to make something that is viable. If you dedicate yourself to making something that's absolutely incredible. Hmm. well, Good, you're an artist. (laughs) Thank you for, for your creativity. But that's not necessarily a path to success.
0: We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair fastest AI powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website Firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And um, in your sort of, um, you have a good vantage point into the industry of analytics and mar- in marketing and, and, and um, uh, customer experience and um, digital. So when you talk to a, a fellow marketer or when you talk to a fellow sort of uh, a digital uh, strategist or, or executive, how do you gauge them like how do you measure um an an overdone uh, analysis versus you're you're on the right right path like how do you how do you measure them
1: um pretty much by asking them what keeps them awake at night Mm. um if if the response is i i just have to figure out how to get improve my numbers
2: Mm. um
1: this is a mid to low level executive who is being pressured to turn the crank and get the results, regardless of strategy, regardless of vision, they're just trying to stoke the fires and make the machine work faster. Um, uh, If their response is, um, I'm trying to understand where my industry is going and what my customers want and how to create the next breakthrough product, Mm. then, oh, okay, well, they're, they're on the creative side, they're on the, the strategy side. That's great. Can I help them understand how data can help them better? Um, I don't want to blind them with data, but I don't want them to ignore the data. And this is where uh, the future marketing leaders are coming from. It's the people who can take vision and information, bring it together and make sense out of it, instead of leaning too far one way or the other. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: and then, you know, in, in analytics, the, the most common problem that, that I'm working with trying to help people use analytics is implementing it. Mm. Um, yeah, we, you know, we got a web analytics tool or we're tracking our email, but then we brought in a consultant who said all our data was wrong and we had to start over again. So we threw out that tool and we got another one and we spent a year putting all that together and collecting data. And now, oh, now we're told that because the marketplace has changed or the technology has changed, our data is bad again. So we threw out that tool. And then the fourth or fifth tool, they realize, well, maybe it's our process that's mm. wrong. All of these tools can't be bad. Maybe we're not doing it right. And so, you know, it's, it's people process and technology and mm. technology is the easiest to blame. Mm. So, so stop, you know, get, Adobe analytics, get Google analytics, whatever, and stick with it and get your data to work. And this is unfortunately where the majority of time is spent in analytics, Hmm. collecting Hmm. and cleaning and integrating the data so that you can do analysis. Hmm. It's not just turn it on and start coming up with insights. It's a, it's a Royal pain. I want to build a house. Okay, great. But first you have to make bricks mm. and you have to test the bricks. And did you put enough straw in? Did you fire it in the, in the oven long enough? And once you get that right and you've made enough bricks, now we can build a house. Oh, did you think about how big that house should be and how many rooms it needs? Oh, I have to do information architecture. Hmm. Okay. So there is process and, and we've learned, we've come a long way of learning um, how to approach all of this and if you are a brand new startup with no legacy systems and a lot of money there are some really smart people who can help you do everything from soup to nuts but that describes nobody Hmm. everybody has history everybody has old machines and old databases and old processes and politics and no budget and that's the reality that's where we're all living
0: Interesting. And, and from your vantage point, what are some of, um, some of the things that you think industry folks get it wrong about marketing analytics? Like, what are some of the things that you say, hey, that's, you're doing it, maybe you're thinking it wrong or something? What, what, what do you call those?
1: Um, not appreciating complexity is probably the biggest problem because this number says this and that number says that, therefore I should do these things. There are a hundred other variables in the mix. Um, you know, Statisticians will tell you that it is pretty easy to um, analyze and predict mm. what a population of people will do. It is impossible to predict what one person will do. Mm. You can't. If I take a million birds, I know they're all going to fly north in the summer and south. But one bird, I have no idea what that bird's going to do. So assuming that I can look at a few numbers and predict that if I show you this picture with that headline, you will buy is, yeah, can't do that. So it is a, a, the mistake that marketers make is thinking that the numbers lead to obvious conclusions.
2: Hmm.
1: When the best we can hope for is that they lead to better questions.
0: Interesting. And um, what is to you a well-oiled marketing machine? Like, so what is, what is the definition of a smooth running company that you say, hey, amazing?
1: Good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people process technology. Um, and then for marketing, it is also vision and hmm. strategy. Um, do, do I have a clear idea of of the brand in the eyes of the public and the brand that I am trying to get them to think of and how to bring those together? Um, and, and can I create new products and services that perpetuate that brand and perpetuate the customer's love of brand? And then can I put together all the systems that are necessary to make that all happen? Um, I want to send out an email blast and have ads in magazines and an ad on television and I want to engage a bunch of social influencers all around a product launch. Um, do I have the budget? Do I have enough people? Do I have enough control? And do I allow enough freedom for the people who are on the front lines to do their job to do it right? If I if I give them a picture of the product, if I give them a logo. Do they have the ability to say, well, you know, this is going to look better on Instagram if I do it this way, and it's going to look better on Facebook if I do it that way, and it's going to look better on a billboard if I do it this way, and and do they have the ability to make all of that happen? Um, I would I would love to work for that company. I, mm. I I have yet to to come across one like that, you know, because it all it all relates to corporate culture. Mm. So some corporate cultures are, go make it happen. Some corporate cultures are absolutely top down. Here's how you will do it. You will not deviate. It must be done this way. And I can't say that one is better than the other.
0: Interesting. And and nowadays um, we are in a transformative times. So every day we hear about a new technology coming in. Every day we hear about, I think AI, you're have you are right now majorly focused on AI and machine learning. So and and you have this conference and you have this community of of, of marketers what is what has been your observation on adoptability of marketing landscape when it comes to these transformative technologies like are they responsive and, and what 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 are some of the observations that you have uh, you have observed in the industry when it comes to these transformative technologies
1: different companies are are approaching this at different rates um I remember, you know, back when the World Wide Web first came around in the early 90s, well, mid-90s, um, talking, some companies said, We're going to be, we're going to just do digital transformation. We're going to get online, we're going to be there first, and we're going to show everybody how to do it. And they jumped in with both feet and they made horrible mistakes and they learned a lot. And they came out in the lead. And other large corporations said, we're gonna let other people make the mistakes. We're gonna learn from their mistakes. We're happy to be fast followers rather Mm. than leaders, which is, you know, from a corporate culture perspective, Mm. logical and reasonable and financially uh, responsible. Uh, And then others were, yeah, yeah, we see that it's coming, but we're too busy right now just staying alive. We're just, we're putting out fires. We're trying to make payroll. And building a website is one more thing on top of everything. We don't have time. We Mm. can't. So replace website with machine learning. Uh, We're going to run straight into it and make it happen. And and again, the usual, you know, the Amazons and Googles and IBMs and Microsofts, of course they are. Mm. And then there are the people who are just trying to sell shoes or they're just trying Mm. to sell jeans. Or they're they're baking bread for a living. It's like I don't have time for that. Um, and then if I do decide that I'm ready, well, how do I make that happen? Do I go out and hire a bunch of uh, data scientists
2: hmm. and
1: build something from scratch? No, you 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 don't because you can't because everybody else hired them already. They are hmm. too expensive. Um, so instead, rely on the new tools, the new technologies that are being included with what you're already using. So if you're using Google Analytics or you're using AdWords, yeah, you, you're you already using machine learning. It's in the background. Um, if you're using Salesforce, they've added on Einstein. If you're an IBM customer, here comes Watson. Um, if you are a Microsoft customer, here is Azure ML and yeah, those are pretty powerful, and you can do a lot with them. Or you can go to the small companies, the startups, where the venture funding is throwing a huge amount of money at and start using those as point solutions. Mm. Here is one that will help you with email. Here is one that will help you with uh, dynamic content on your website. Here is one that will help you with display advertising. And so you can take advantage of these technologies by buying rather than building. So every company is, is somewhere on the, we're gonna be first or we're gonna wait. And then how do I get involved? Oh, we're gonna build it ourselves. No, we'll just go out to the world and find it and buy it.
0: Interesting. And, and what is your personal take in it? So if, um, if with, with all these evolving technologies, right? You see all the shiny objects every, every, every day almost nowadays. And how do you tempt yourself to use or not use? Um, without like what are some of the best practices that you could suggest to someone who's in the same shoe and trying to figure out hey I either I'll be missing out uh, or or I'll be too early too soon and burn too much um, just to get a almost nominal outcome what are some other things that you would do or you would suggest someone who they should do to sort of keep themselves in check when they're going through this we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. So,
1: Corporate culture comes, you know, culture eats strategy for lunch. So corporate Mm -hmm. culture says either I am willing to invest in an education Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to go first and I'm going to try things or I'm conservative, I'm going to be careful, I'm going to preserve what I'm doing, watch others and then step in carefully, or I just don't have time. So me personally, let's go find out, let's go, let's go investigate, let's, let's start a pilot project just to learn what it means to use these new technologies. Um, and usually I need to do that in order to keep my best employees, in the company. Because if I don't do new exciting things, my best employees are going to go somewhere else where it's more fun. So Mm -hmm. the people who are the most excited about new technologies, let's let them play. Give them their 10% or 20% time per week to go explore, to to try out new tools, new techniques, new channels, uh, new ways of communicating. Um, You know, should my company have a team of people exploring virtual reality. Absolutely, should I spend millions of dollars on it? Well, not yet. <laughs> Let's see mm. what they come up with. Let's watch the competition. But when, when the when it becomes a moment of um, management by in-flight magazine,
2: mm.
1: when the board or the c level people walk in and say, "We need a virtual reality program," or we need to be able to tell our stockholders that we are actually doing machine learning go make it happen that's when i want to go to the team of people who've been doing it for a year and asking them what do you think rather than oh well now it's time to start learning that's too late um and that and the critical part of success in this is the overlap between the knowledge of the industry the knowledge of marketing in that industry, and then the knowledge of data science. Any one of those by themselves won't work. You have to have people who really know marketing well, who understand the data science, and then have to have data scientists who understand marketing. And then, oh, by the way, both of them need to know what industry. We're selling automobile tires. That's a completely different world than selling toothpaste. That's a completely different world than selling... Lawyering, lawyering and attorney services. So what industry, what's the marketing about, and what's the technology, that combination, when the C-level says, we need to do this now, we're gonna give you some money. We want people who have been playing with it for a while. So yeah, pilot project is is the best practice.
0: Interesting. And um, now let's talk about the technology of the day. So AI, machine learning. So. W- what are you seeing the impact of machine learning and marketing like what what has been your observation on what's going on what's going around
1: i'm I'm seeing um something I'm referring to as the machine bump um mm-hmm. if you have a team of people who are really good at you know just sort of um optimization mm-hmm. so you know go find me more prospects, uh, improve conversion, uh, improve shopping cart behavior, improve sales. Then we get this steady climb of optimization. Then let's bring in machine learning. Mm. And this steady climb suddenly takes a big drop, mm. uh, which is a momentary function of what machine learning does. Mm. It is a baby learning to walk and you stand the baby up and it falls down, and then it takes one step and it falls down, and it takes two steps and it falls down, and this is over days. And it's very discouraging because the the people without the machine learning were doing fine, they were going right along, and then suddenly, oh, the baby keeps falling down. And then one day, the baby takes five steps and then it starts running and is out the front door down the street, and oh my God. So. We're going along, we take a dip while the machine learns. Then there's this big rise because it learns things. It takes a step change in learning that the humans weren't doing. And then eventually it levels off again and it's back to that normal optimization pattern. So the machine bump is being able to do amazing amounts of correlation above and beyond what humans could do for a while. And then it's back to sort of a normal increase. Um, it's tough for companies to invest in something that falls on its face, Mm. give it time, clean the data, change the model a little bit. And then boom, you get this big bump in, you know, humans did had no idea that people who were interested in buying, uh, sparkling water would also be good prospects for buying, uh, you name it, um, mm. <laughs> lipstick or mm. motor oil or something that has nothing to do with. It's totally illogical. And that's the magic of machine learning. It finds the correlations that are not logical, but they're true. And you can, you can use that insight to get lift on sales. And I'm, and I'm seeing that over and over again, particularly in the prospecting world, mm. um, here are my best customers. Here are all the attributes we know about them. Go out into the world and find other people who look like my best customers and advertise to them. well that's that's something that marketing people have always done, except that we look at it logically, reasonably, emotionally. and the mm-hmm. machine says, well, if they're shoe size eight and they wear glasses, and they go grocery shopping on Tuesday therefore they will respond to an ad that's bright red and a human goes what are you nuts but it's true so that's the interesting thing now that's where we get the bump you can do that one or two times and then you you have discovered those weird correlations and you're back to just okay what if we twiddle things a little bit just to get a little bit of lift and we're on the optimization track again
0: interesting so i think from my side of the world, on data analytics side, whenever I hear this, and AI is, right now, is the hottest technology out there, machine learning, it's pretty much like we all are uh, uh, uttering its name almost every couple of times nowadays uh, in a single day. So whenever I hear a lot um, from from companies who say, hey, I'm using AI for my decision making and all, I get terrified with that. I get terrified with the fact that, hey, AI, So the technology is great, uh, to help you but you still have to own your own risk right so technology okay. can sort of right you cannot because very what i'm what i'm seeing from my end is slowly it's drifting that that they're, they're outsourcing their risk to hey ai just you do you do go and and do stuff right and i think you shared uh, some of that sentiment on dependence on technology right yeah um, as, as one of one of the critical concern so what's your take on the marketing side of things like uh, do you see uh, this the same pattern where sort of marketers say, "Hey, I I would rather have AI take the blame and hit anything." You you rightly pointed out the technology is easier to blame, and just I just show it's like if if successful, it's me. If it's fail, it's 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 the AI. Yeah,
1: I'll be happy to take the credit and <laughs> give the blame to the computer. Sure. Yeah. Um. So there are three things that the human is going to remain responsible for. Number one is what problem are we solving? Hmm. So do you want to increase conversion rate? And the machine says, oh, all we have to do is stop advertising. Okay, Hmm. well, that was the wrong problem to solve. I want to increase sales. Hmm. And the machine does all of its thing and all of its testing. And it says, oh, the best way to increase revenue is to cut your price in half. And then you'll sell a lot more. Oh, yeah, no, wrong Hmm. problem. Hmm. How do I increase profitability? and customer satisfaction at the same time, ah, that's the right problem. And <laughs> it's really complicated. It's gonna take a long time. So let's find little problems to solve along the way. How do we get a better open rate from our email? How do we get people to put it in their shopping cart? You know, just do one step at a time. So what problem do we solve? Because the machine, it doesn't care. It, it has no opinion about which, which problem to work on. That's up to the human. Number two is, what data should the machine consider in order to solve that problem?
2: Mm.
1: Well, you know, in this world of big data, we say, just give it everything. Mm. Just pour it all in there and let it sort it out. Well, if you give it too much, then it's going to come up with a very low confidence answer because there's too much noise. And if you give it too little, it'll come up with a very high confidence answer that's wrong. Mm. So if I if I flip a coin 5 times and it comes up heads 5 times, the machine says 100% confidence it'll mm-hmm. come up heads next time. Well, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, if I flip a coin a million times, the machine says chances are 50/50.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not useful. So it's got which data do you give the machine and that is a, a matter of trial and error. That's something we have to learn. Is, is time of day important? Is behavior important? Is the kind of device they're reaching us on important? Let's let's figure that out. So what problem do we solve? What data do we use? And then the third one is, is the answer the machine giving us reasonable? And I, I refer to this as the smell test. If the machine says, cut your price in half, no, that's not reasonable. We're not mm-hmm. going to do that if the machine says, um, sell a loss leader for an amazingly small amount of price in order to build your database and then market to your database with this message, I'm going to look at that and go, I'm not sure. Let's Mm -hmm. test that and see if it works. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, okay, well, next time it makes that recommendation, it's not going to pass the smell test again. So all three of these are human responsibility and they are uh, tied exactly to that individual's experience in marketing, in that industry, who understands the technology.
2: Hmm. So
1: people process technology and the domain knowledge of what am I selling and how do I do my marketing and how well is this technology helping me?
0: Interesting. And I think one thing that that you said about um relying on culture in many of the decision making on sort of how to go about the uh, de, uh, sort of defining your marketing strategies. If I'm a startup, if I'm if I'm a startup and I am responsible for taking the marketing forward with startups, not no- normally they have the cultural, um, their nuances baked right. And they're very premature. So they're trying to figure out things and seeing whichever things sticks on the wall. What would you suggest to these guys? Like what would you suggest to the marketer who's looking working at a startup where they don't have a playbook uh, when it comes to culture on what to go for. Like what, what do you suggest?
1: Experimentation, try stuff. Um, The the joy of a startup Mm. is how agile they can be, how quickly they can pivot. So try things, see what works, um, and then pay close attention to the results. And if something works well, does it continue to work well? Or was it a one-time thing? Um, yeah um probably experimentation is is the most important cultural attribute you can hope for mm. um because the others are a condition of the people who started the company um are people reckless or are they prudent um are are people um, enthusiastic and and willing to try crazy stuff, or are they only willing to take baby steps? These are things that come with personalities of the people who start the startup. So if I can pick an attribute, it would be experimentation.
0: Interesting. And what are some of the big opportunities out there today that you see that um, are ripe for disruption in marketing and digital landscape that you could share?
1: Hmm. Well, let's see the, the, so I'll have to say machine learning. Sorry. Mm. Um, it is, it is an opportunity, um, that, that if you know when to use it and, and the answer to that question is a situation where you have a great deal of data because these machines take a lot, require a lot of information. Um, and you have a high transaction rate, Mm and you have a small risk classic example is display advertising mm. i'm gonna you know pay a reasonable amount of money for a million impressions and mm. if and i'm trying to put the right message in front of the right person at the right time and if i get it wrong it's not a horrible problem that i showed you something that you didn't click on so the the risk is pretty low but if you did click on it, suddenly I can use that information to update the model. And the next person who looks just like you, I'm going to show them the same one. Mm. Oh, and now the machine learns. So lots of data, high transaction, low risk is an ideal use for machine learning. Another area of opportunity, um, that I, I think is, is a slow start, but I see that it's going to be a big deal mm. is. Um, auto responders, um, auto bots. Um, I want to know what time the store opens in the morning. And if I go to the website, I can click around. Well, first of all, I can call, and I can go through. You know, if you want this, press one. If you want that, press two. You and that's going to be 15 minutes of my life wasted, and I'm totally frustrated. So I'm not going to do that. I go to the website, and I'm going to click here, 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 and here, and find location and find hours and. Okay, well, that was that was five minutes wasted. Or I go to, I pick up my phone, and I ask it out loud, what time does that store open? And it tells me. I have my answer. So I am going to be used to the idea of, um, is that flight delayed? Do you have those shoes in my size? Uh, can I get it in a different color? Can I make a reservation for six people at seven o'clock on Tuesday? I'm gonna expect to be able to quickly interact with a machine to get specific answers to specific questions. That is a marketing opportunity. And it is gonna be a serious challenge because people ask the same question in 500 different ways. Mm -hmm. So we need machine learning to help us understand the question and look in the database of answers and come up with the best one. And it's going to go through that same problem of it's going to fall on its face and then it's mm-hmm. going to learn and then it's going to be great and it will respond. Uh, um, and
0: yeah, and, and and what's your take on something like chatbots? I think um,
1: this is, yes, this is what I'm referring to. The chatbots, autoresponders, exactly the same thing. Um, and then, and then let's take that to the next step, which is uh, frightening for marketing people
2: mm.
1: is if I ask my, uh, listening device at home, whose name I will not say out loud, or everybody's <laughs> devices will go off. Um, I, you know, I need more facial tissue. Hmm. I need more toilet paper. Like that's the same thing I always buy. Well, as a marketer, how do you break into that market? I'm going to buy the same brand every time. The device knows what brand I want. I'm just going to order the same thing. As a marketer how how do you interrupt that that's a real challenge and then then we we can talk science fiction science fiction says um that i get a notification from my phone that my dishwasher is broken and the error message is so severe that fixing it will cost too much i need to replace it and here is the system, here is the dishwasher that'll fit in the same place, and here is the appointment with the service person who can be at the house and deliver it next Tuesday. So I've canceled this other appointment that you had so you can be there, so they can... And that was me buying a dishwasher. Hmm. My phone did it for me. How does a marketer play in that world? How do you get your machine learning, artificial intelligence systems to talk to my Hmm. phone my artificial intelligence systems to be the replacement dishwasher for me, that's a problem that we're going to face. And I hope to be retired before
0: that happens. So uh, what's your take on Google Duplex? I think there have been a lot of talks. So what I want to, I always want to have a marketer's perspective. Uh, Mm. What do you think? Uh, How do you how do you sort of uh, decipher Google Duplex and what it's doing to the to marketing landscape?
1: Um, so it is a, a brilliant technological leap forward. Um, machine learning and AI at its finest with natural language processing and and turning speech into text and text into meaning and being able to respond. Brilliant. And as usual the technology folks didn't think about the sociological impact Mm. and so the demonstration which made everybody in the audience applaud blew up twitter with oh my god don't you dare (laughs) so as a marketer um i'm thrilled about the idea that we've got these technologies that we can use but we need some rules of the road and the Mm. rules of the road are um hello, I am the automated system calling on behalf of Jim Stern to make a reservation at your restaurant. Uh, Do you have a table for four at 7 o'clock on Tuesday? And the person on the other end goes, really? Yes, I am an automated system, and I'd like to make a reservation, please. Oh, okay, cool, instead of, wow, I got pranked. Mm. I mean, imagine um, what happens if you use a system like that for automatic phone calls for politics trying to convince people to vote for or against something we need some serious regulations around that um, if i get a phone call from my bank saying that there's a problem with my password can i trust it how do i trust it what what are the rules of the road and that's something that we need to figure out
0: interesting so i was i was talking to one of one of the agency executive couple of couple of days back and he was sharing the same concern that with these technologies, at least the ethical definitions of what corporates do or should not do, that's going to explode. So so I think his, his point of view was that marketer would be in a lot of migraines going forward because of these sort of, which, which is a go and a not go strategy to move forward with these sort of very innovative solutions that looks pretty cool at first, but are really scary if you sort of dig deeper and see what's going on with that.
1: And the scary part is that I am going to break trust with hmm. my customers. Um and and the, the problem, I mean the this idea of, of I didn't know it was an automated system calling me on the phone is a kind of a, a super obvious mm-hmm. problem. But there are layers and layers of unobvious problems from an ethics perspective. Uh on the one hand, ingrained bias in the data, and on the other hand, the ethics of privacy. So ingrained bias, um if you use machine learning to recruit a new executive for your multinational corporation. And you say, show me, you know, I get a million resumes and I can only look at a hundred of them. So go through, look at all the employees of my business over the years and find the people who've been the most successful. Oh, says the machine, how do you define success? Well, Mm. you know, they get, positive reviews, they get promotions, they get raises, they have more people reporting to them, that is success. So that's a serious problem. That's part one, bias in the data, and we see it all over the place. Um, One article I read recently included um, an African-American who went to use the automated uh, sink in the washroom, but it wouldn't turn on because his hand were the wrong color. The machine did not mm. recognize that as being the right tone to turn on the water. This is ingrained in the data. So we have to be very careful about it. On the other side, privacy. Mm. If you're tracking every mouse movement, if you're tracking the, the websites that I go out and my cookie is, you know, I have a cookie from that website and the advertising network knows that I went to that website and tells you. So I get an ad based on the fact that I have this income or I live in this zip code or whatever it might be. There's some serious unanswered questions about, is it is it my data and should I have control over it? Did I opt in? Did I knowingly opt in? So these are, yeah, these are going to be more migraines for marketers. There's a there's a book title for you,
0: huh? <laughs> I know. Yes, yes, absolutely it is. So um, now let's talk about, in your crystal ball, like what would the next five to 10 years of marketing would look like? What, what would you see is the future of marketing?
1: Five to 10 years, anything can happen. Five, five to 10 years is science fiction. It is, uh, I mean, 10 years ago, I did not have an iPhone. Hmm. So 10 years from now, it's going to be embedded back here. Hmm. Uh, it's going to order things for me that I didn't know I needed uh yeah no i i can't tell you i uh, (laughs) um you know i i I, general things sure machine learning um artificial intelligence machine learning is going to be something that we're going to talk about for another mm, two or three years and then we're Mm. just we'll stop Mm. because it is it will be the normal thing it will be embedded in all systems Asking me if I'm using machine learning will be like asking me if I use a phone or a computer. Mm. Of course I do, because this is not just being pushed down onto the operating system, it's being pushed down into the hardware. It's that valuable, it's that important. Um, the retail experience will change dramatically. Um, we've We've seen this already, the you know the retail apocalypse. Um, we're seeing that I can go to the store to see one version of that thing but if i need a different size or a different color that's fine you know here order it we can order Mm. it for you right here done it'll be shipped to you tomorrow but the retail experience will have to change in order to to encourage us to come out to the marketplace again um somebody is going to come up with my personal ai system Mm. and, and it's Going to it's going to learn about me. It's going to do all the things that I'm afraid Google is already doing. It'll know what I'm interested in. It will know what I mean If I search for chicken stock, it will know that I'm looking for a poultry recipe and not an investment opportunity.
2: <laughs>
1: so it will know me well enough to represent me in the world. Mm. And when I need that dishwasher, it can negotiate on my behalf. Um and and you know talk about bias and privacy and who do you trust that, that these are these are big issues but my data it will become my property and i will negotiate with you about how much i give you you know i i will tell my doctor many things i won't tell you hmm. but i will tell my accountant many things that i won't tell my doctor and so i need that sort of control over this data that's on in my phone monitoring my heart rate and how many steps I take per day. Um, and do I want to be advertised to? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm. When it's time to buy a new car, I want to see ads when I'm trying to decide where to go on vacation. I want to see ads, but as soon as I buy that camera, I do not want ads Mm. all over following me all. I already bought it. Leave me alone. So I want these systems to be smarter and that that i see happening as well so is that all science fiction sure is it all going to come true
0: yep <laughs> interesting so we are we are at, at the tail end of the conversation so let's let's talk about your journey briefly um, um so in in your journey like what are some of the things that you attribute your success to like that has helped you stay sane throughout your progression like what would you call them those qualities um
1: well let's so first of all um I became fascinated by the written word. I was an English literature major in school, primarily because that's where my best grade points were, and primarily because the first day of class, the girl in the front row in Shakespeare class, really cute. <laughs> we've we've been together for forty years now. It's a good, it's a good, fascinating
0: pick. story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Congratulations.
1: Um. And so I have uh, an ability to write. So mm-hmm. 12 books is, is, wow, how do you do that? Well, I love to write. Mm-hmm. I, I love to explain things. I love to, to do the research. So, I mean, what, what did I know about machine learning before I wrote a book? Mm-hmm. Uh, I could spell it. <laughs> That's about it. And I wrote the book as an excuse to research, to do a deep dive. No, I can't go do those other things. I have to study this some more so I can write a book. So that's lucky me I'm I'm a writer but I think curiosity is is sort of the most important thing if something is kind of interesting chase it go follow it um unless it's just cat videos all day and then you're wasting your time <laughs> unless you want to do research about cat videos and then you will find people who will pay you for the result so be be interested in something um That's part one. And then my philosophy for marketing, for being successful, is narrowing your focus. Hmm. In 1993, I saw the internet as a place for marketing, and I could only find a handful of people who could tell me what they were doing. And when they explained it to me, I wrote a book. This is how you should do marketing on the internet. The book Hmm. was published in 1995. And then by the year 2000, I needed to narrow the focus because everybody said, oh yeah, internet marketing, internet marketing. Okay, well, I need to find something more specific. Oh, analytics. We can measure how good this stuff is. That's interesting. It's not just my opinion that a red button's better than the blue button. We can measure it. Let's, let's focus on that. And then, oh, now let's look at how machine learning can help analytics in marketing. So it's narrowing, narrowing, narrowing if if you know you are an entrepreneur and you want to to become a well-known thought leader then you be the one who brings this 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 and this together and if mm. somebody googles that you're the only one who shows up
0: interesting and and we ask all of our guests to share their favorite books that they have read that they like to share so do you have some that you could share with our community
1: i am i am um a, a big fan of science fiction. Um, I read lots of science fiction to just keep on top of what's possible mm. um, and to understand the language. So if somebody starts to talk about quantum computing,
2: mm.
1: um, I know what they mean and I can follow the conversation for a while. And when it gets technical, psh, fine, I'm, I'm, mm. you know, I'm not a physics major, so fine, mm. but I, but I get it. Um, so I love that. And then on the other side, I love the absolutely practical, tactical, um, because it's, it's not new ideas. It's just, you know, don't, don't forget. So, for example, I just bought, I haven't even read it yet, but I just bought a book called Shift by Sean Doyle, 19 Practical Business-Driven Ideas for an Executive in Charge of Marketing But Not Trained for the Task like I need to read this book. Yes. I've been in marketing for 35 years. I need to read this book. <laughs> it's gonna remind me of stuff, you know. On the other hand, I'm also on an online book club right now reading Data Science for Business. Mm. So I'm 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 afraid I'm a bit of a book hound. Amazon loves me uh, to the point where it's kind of they, they take over my office and when I put on my conference once a year I, I put my extra books out on the front rows to encourage people to sit in the front row. <laughs> and that's how, that's how I make space for more books.
0: Interesting, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So now we're at the last question. And, 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 and uh, Jim, thank you so much for being extremely generous with your time and walking us, helping us understand uh, big data and marketing. So if, you wa- if our listeners and viewers would take away something from this conversation, like what would you think they should take away? What would your what would your closing uh, remark for our listeners and viewers be? Keep
1: trying new stuff. Keep, I mean, don't be distracted by the shiny object, but keep trying to figure out how to make it useful for you and how to make it useful for improving the customer experience.
0: Interesting. With that, um, Jim, thank you so much again. You're always welcome back on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Um, much. Nothing
0: but sexist. And thank you for your time. Thank you. It's been a
1: pleasure. Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable. Don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once. That's it. And I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Here's the mic on. I don't know how to work this.
2: Inside I'm breaking down. I hope I'm not up on a circle.